Mark Zuckerberg told The New Yorker the news source he definitely follows is TechMeme. So listen to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast, the podcast anyone who's anyone in Silicon Valley listens to every day. In just 15 to 20 minutes, you get a rundown of what happened in the world of tech with all the headlines, context, commentaries, and tweets from all the biggest players. New episodes every day at 5 p.m. Eastern. Search your favorite podcast app for Ride Home and subscribe to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Zenni offers thousands of affordable eyewear styles, starting at just $6.95. No ridiculous markups, no hassles, just quality, affordable eyewear delivered right to you. Visit Zenni today at zenni.com slash CNN. Good evening. We begin tonight keeping them honest with the White House continuing their effort to gaslight the American people. Now, if you haven't seen the 1944 movie Gaslight or kept up with your Psychology Today subscription, gaslighting is when someone tries to make you question your own reality and sanity. And they do this by lying. They do it by speaking contradictions and by denying the reality that you know to be true. So that is how the White House is gaslighting the American people daily in an effort to cover up how it handled the case of Rob Porter. Today, the White House changed its story and tried again to shift the blame for how a man who had been accused of domestic abuse by at least three women, including his two ex-wives, ended up working side by side with the president and at the right hand of the chief of staff. The story magically conveniently changed hours after the FBI director testified about a timeline that directly contradicted what the White House had said just yesterday. Now, the White House tried to make a case that you shouldn't believe your own eyes and your ears. You should instead believe each version of the White House's shifting narrative. And you should also believe the White House when it says that the president really cares about victims of domestic violence, even though the president has never actually said that publicly. Again, this centers around Rob Porter, the now former staff secretary, who resigned last week after news broke that his ex-wives had accused him of physical and verbal abuse. Porter denied the allegations. Now, ever since this picture came out, the picture we're showing you right now, last week, showing his first wife with a black eye, the White House has been scrambling to come up with a consistent story about when they learned about these allegations. And the amazing thing is, they still have not been able to do that. CNN has reported that White House counsel Don McGahn knew a year ago that these allegations may come up in the FBI background check and learn more details over the past year. Well, yesterday, the White House said it learned of the extent of the allegations just last Tuesday and acted quickly, that the background check was ongoing and they hadn't received any papers relating to it. Well, today, the FBI director completely contradicted that, and he did so in public sitting before the Senate Intelligence Committee. The FBI submitted uh, a partial report on the investigation in question uh, in March. Uh, and then a completed background investigation in late July that is soon thereafter we received requests for follow-up uh, inquiry, uh, and we did the follow-up uh, and provided that information in November, uh, and then we administratively closed the file in January. And then earlier this month we received some additional information, and we passed that on as well. So not only does that contradict what the White House said yesterday, it contradicts what the White House said earlier today. This is Deputy uh, Press Secretary on Fox and Friends just this morning. 
What we know about Rob Porter specifically, and that's the incident that everybody's talking about, is that his background check investigation had not been completed yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was still uh, in the in the um, investigative process and it had yet to be adjudicated. So prior to an adjudication, uh, the White House is not going to step into the middle of a process and short circuit it. Hadn't been completed, was still being investigated. So that was at exactly 8.40 a.m. Then at 10.46 a.m., two hours and six minutes later, you heard FBI Director Chris Wray say that the White House's version of events wasn't true, that in fact the Bureau submitted a partial report in March nearly a year ago and a completed background investigation in July. Now, try and keep up because that's a totally different timeline than what Press Secretary Sarah Sanders described from the podium just yesterday. Look, uh, we learned of the extent of the situation involving Rob Porter last Tuesday evening, and within 24 hours, his resignation had been accepted and announced. We let the process play out. It was ongoing, hadn't been completed. Look, this is a process that isn't, um, doesn't operate within the White House. It's handled by our law enforcement and intelligence community. The process for the background was ongoing, um, and the White House had not received uh, any specific uh, papers regarding uh, the completion of that background check. So, okay, that's just not true. So yesterday, Sanders blames an ongoing process, one that supposedly doesn't operate within the White House. She actually said that. She says it's handled by law enforcement and intelligence community, not operating in the White House. Then the FBI director testifies. And today, Sarah Sanders is at the podium again and is asked what accounts for the discrepancy. The FBI portion was closed. The White House Personnel Security Office, uh, who is the one that makes a recommendation for adjudication, had not finished their process and therefore not made a recommendation to the White House. Wait a minute. Who? The Office of White House Personnel Security? That is who she is now pointing the finger at. Remember, she just said yesterday, this is a process that doesn't operate in the White House. Now she is naming an office that has White House in the title And she's blaming them for not making a recommendation yet to the White House, of which they are part. Now, even if you believe this news story, and that is a big if, given how the story has changed, but if somehow the White House's credibility is intact, then you'd have to disbelieve what they said yesterday. In the briefing room, reporters tried to get some clarity. So those two statements, Mr. uh, the FBI director's statement, Mr. Ray, and your statement yesterday seem to be at odds with one another. Do you see... Anything that you'd like to clarify in terms of what I asked you uh, today based upon your answer yesterday? Yeah, as I said earlier, my understanding uh, is any information would have gone to the uh, personnel security office. That office had not completed their process in order to make a recommendation for adjudication to the White House. That was still ongoing, and therefore a recommendation had not been made. The FBI director said today under oath that the completed background investigation was actually submitted in late July. So which one is it? Uh, as uh, Let me read this to you again. The White House Personnel Security Office, staffed by career officials, received information last year in what they considered to be the final background investigation report in November. But they had not made a final recommendation for adjudication to the White House because the process was still ongoing when Porter resigned. In the view of Personnel Security Office, the FBI's July report required significant additional investig- investigatory fieldwork before Personnel Security Office could begin to evaluate the information for adjudication. Uh, We find those statements to be consistent with one another. 
All right. Just keep it honest. Those statements are not consistent with one another. And let's not forget, this isn't some esoteric policy dispute. This is about a man with a sensitive White House position accused of domestic violence against at least three women. Just last week, he was being praised by the White House. And today, CNN learned that he was in serious discussions to actually be promoted when all of this blew up. Sarah Sanders was asked about that today. She said she didn't know. Also today, Chief of Staff John Kelly is quoted in the Wall Street Journal in regards to how the case has been handled. He said, quote, it was all done right, end quote. It was all done right. Again, from the White House, don't believe the FBI director. Don't believe your eyes and your ears. Believe us. Now, on Friday, the president said it was a tough time for Rob Porter. And then over the weekend, he lamented on Twitter about lives and careers being destroyed because of, quote, a mere allegation. No mention of lives ruined because of domestic violence, no mention of women at all. But the White House is sticking to its story that, above all, the president cares about victims. Does the president believe the women? Uh, Again, the president takes uh, all of these accusations very seriously. He believes in due process. Above everything else, he supports the victims of any type of violence uh, and certainly would condemn any violence against anyone. Look, we've condemned domestic violence in every way possible. Mm, Keeping them honest, that's actually not true either. The president has not actually condemned domestic violence in every way possible. And he actually hasn't condemned domestic violence in any way possible. Opening his mouth and saying those words, that would be one way to condemn domestic violence. But he has not done that. In fact, he has a long history of defending men accused of harassment and violence against women, including himself. Now, the president was on camera two different times today. He had two opportunities to get on the record with this deep-held belief the White House swears he has. Here was the first opportunity this morning. Here's how it went. Do you believe Rob Porter's ex-wife, Mr. President? Sorry. Thank you very much. Do you believe Rob Porter's ex-wife, Mr. President? Thank you, Cecilia. Y'all have that way, guys. Now, remember, according to Sarah Sanders, above everything else, the president supports the victims. Here's the second opportunity for him to say something this afternoon. Mr. President, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And that was it. Now, above everything else, the president supports the victim, says the White House. The White House says, don't believe your eyes, believe us. We asked the White House for anyone to come on the program to talk about any of this tonight. They said no. Jim Acosta is going to join us right now from the White House. So, Jim, I understand you have new reporting on White House Counsel Don McGahn and Chief of Staff John Kelly and when they knew specific information. That's right. You don't have a White House official, Anderson, but you do have me. Uh, I was told by a White House official earlier this evening who said uh, that Don McGahn, the White House counsel, simply has not shared enough information about what he knows and what he knew at the time about Rob Porter's background. Keep in mind, the FBI director, Christopher Wray, said earlier today that the background check process, uh, at least in terms of the FBI, was completed in July. And it was at that time, this White House official says, uh, that Don McGahn knew uh, some of this information that was lurking in Rob Porter's past and simply did not share enough of it uh, with top officials, including the chief of staff, uh, John Kelly. Now, this official did say uh, that perhaps Kelly did not dig enough or prod enough for this information. Uh, but according to this official that I spoke with earlier this evening, a lot of these questions are going back to Don McGahn and asking the question, why has he never really said much about what he knew at that time? I mean, this is yet another example of the White House not being able to get their story straight on something. What is going on here, do you think? 
Well, you know, last week, Anderson, uh, you know, they were saying that uh, that Rob Porter was a good guy, uh, that he was a man of honor and integrity. And then the next day they changed that story uh, and said, well, we do uh, care about the issue of domestic violence. And then this week uh, you had the White House press secretary pointing to the FBI. And today the White House press secretary was pointing to the White House Office of Personal uh, Security, Personnel Security. Uh, the American people can listen to all of those four different versions uh, in terms of how the, the White House is explaining this, or they can just listen to the one version that came from the FBI director earlier today who said, we completed our investigation last July. And Anderson, uh, our reporting on this has not changed, that uh, multiple White House officials, including the chief of staff, including the White House counsel, Don McGahn, have known for months. Uh, Anderson, instead of the uh, Me Too movement, it seems to be the Anybody But Me movement over here at the White House. Anderson. Jim Acosta, appreciate that. Seeing as Caitlin Collins joins us now uh, with more on this newest White House scapegoat, the White House Personnel Security Office. So Sir Sanders blamed intelligence and law enforcement agencies yesterday for not having finished their investigation to Rob Porter. Today, after the FBI explained actually they had completed there, she pointed to the White House Personnel Security Office, which is so obscure. Many folks, I understand that we talked to from the administration, from the previous administration, and never even heard of it. What have you learned about this office? Yeah, Anderson, it's not just the previous administration. It's people who are currently working in the White House right now who had no idea what the press secretary, Sarah Sanders, was talking about today. So we went from two different narratives. Yesterday, it was that the security clearances aren't just done through the White House. It's through the law enforcement and the intelligence agencies. And then today, after the FBI director, Chris Ray blew a hole in that narrative, Sarah Sanders brought up this personnel security office. So we did some digging to find out what is this office. It's essentially located right next door to the White House. They do not have a lot of employees. And the White House described it as the FBI takes their information that they get when they're doing a background check. They turn it over to the personnel security office. And the personnel security office then goes from there to the White House counsel's office. But to be clear, this is in underneath the umbrella of the White House. It's not some other building out in Washington. It is part of the White House. So the White House was not very clear on that when they were explaining that today, saying that it goes through them. And a U.S. official told my colleague Jeff Zeleny that uh, the security clearance office is akin to what the HR would be in a private sector, that they're more of a clearing office and they do not make decisions. They essentially, Anderson, take information and pass it on, which is not what the White House was saying today at the briefing. Right. It was interesting. Sarah Sanders, actually, I was listening closely, didn't use the word that saying that claiming that they were that the White House uh, Security Personnel Office was doing investigation. She didn't say that. She just kept using the word their process hadn't been completed. I mean, despite what Sanders, you know, continuing to make it sound like there's some distance between the White House and this investigation, that office, I mean, just to reiterate, is part of the White House. Either way, we know White House Counsel Don McGahn and Chief of Staff John Kelly were aware of these allegations for some time. Yeah, that's right. We should not let what is important here get lost in what the White House is saying today. It has been seven days, Anderson, since that first story on Rob Porter first broke. And today was the first day the White House had even mentioned this personnel security office. But what's important here, regardless of what the personnel security office relayed to the White House, is that we know, based on CNN reporting, that the White House counsel, Don McGahn, knew about these allegations. The chief of staff, John Kelly, knew about these allegations. And other senior administration officials knew about these allegations. And not only did they allow Rob Porter to continue to work in the White House, as I reported today, they were considering promoting him. And and I just want to reiterate, people you talk to in the White House, working currently in the White House, they had never heard of this office? 
multiple people in the White House had never heard of this office. Multiple sources that I reached to. I talked to dozens of people in the White House every day. And Anderson, several people could not even name me one person who worked in the personnel security office, just to give you a sense of how obscure this office truly is, even here in Washington. Caitlin Collins, appreciate the reporting. Thanks. Up next, our panel weighs in on the conflicting timelines from the White House and the FBI. How does the White House get out of this mess? And later, total agreement from the nation's intelligence community on Russian meddling in the upcoming election. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Our friends at Zenni Optical offer a huge variety of high-quality, stylish frames and state-of-the-art optics starting at just $6.95. You can get multiple frames with this great pricing for less than one pair elsewhere. Start building your eyewear wardrobe from the comfort of your own home at Zenni.com. With the latest trends in eyewear, available in hundreds of frame styles and materials, there isn't a better way to change it up for every season. Plus, Zenni offers prescription sunglasses at incredible prices. Visit Zenny today at zenny.com slash CNN. That's Z-E-N-N-I dot com slash CNN. Well, it's pretty clear that these stories still aren't very straight at the White House over the departure of aide Rob Porter. Today, as we mentioned, Press Secretary Sarah Sanders pointed in a new direction, a White House office so obscure, few people have ever heard of it before. The FBI portion was closed. The White House Personnel Security Office, uh, who is the one that makes a recommendation for adjudication, had not finished their process and therefore not made a recommendation to the White House. Joining me now to plow through the conflicting White House timelines, James Schultz, former White House counsel for President Trump, Phil Mudd, a former FBI senior intelligence advisor and CNN chief political analyst, Gloria Borger. Phil, I mean, as someone who used to work for the FBI, did you, did you know about this White House personnel office? And what do you make of the conflicting stories? In some ways, yes, I did. I had to go through a White House security process myself. In some ways, the stories aren't conflicting. Let me, and this is speculative, but I would bet this one in, in Vegas, Anderson. Let me give you a way this works. The FBI completes its investigation in July. That means they pass over a file to the White House security office. That file could include things that are pretty basic. The guy shoplifted when he was 17. Who cares? He smoked dope when he was a sophomore in college. Who cares? Let's adjudicate that. We're going to give him a clearance. Or you step forward and say he might have hit two ex-wives. Those are the allegations. How do you adjudicate that? And why can't you adjudicate an expedited security clearance for a White House official in seven months? Let me tell you what I think would happen here. I think that the FBI sent over a really nasty package in July. They updated it in November, and the White House guy said, wow, we're not sure what to do with this one. That's what happened here, I think. Gloria, I mean, we're a week in. The White House story does keep changing every day. I mean, they, previously they were saying the FBI process hadn't finished. It was the, F, the law enforcement and intelligence community, and now it's this office. I mean, it's kind of malpractice coming from the podium at the White House. They had to know that the FBI director was testifying today, that he was going to be asked about this, and that he was going to provide a record of what the FBI did. And he was quite clear that the information had been given to them multiple times starting uh, in March of last year. And the fact that the White House and the chief of staff in particular um, said, well, I only learned the worst details, you know, 40 minutes before Rob Porter was fired. 
And we have not heard from the White House counsel, Don McGahn, who is clearly dealing with a lot of this information. It's something I think that they need to address and address quickly because um, because of what Chris Ray, the FBI director, said today. Jim, I mean, the, the Sarah Sanders has not been willing to go into any detail about when uh, when Kelly or Don McGahn actually got this information. Every time she's asked point blank, she says, well, I'm not going to get into a, you know, a TikTok. Uh, we generally knew we meaning everybody in the White House generally knew with the, you know, when it was reported in the media. Well, what we do know is that what Chris Ray testified today was that the Office of Personnel Security at, or the White House, and we assume the Office of Personnel Security, uh, sent back the file for more work by the FBI back in July when they had reported it as complete. Now, why that happened, who ordered that that go back to the FBI for further investigation, that's not clear at this point. Mm -hmm. Was it the White House Counsel's Office? Was the Office of Personnel Security? Who was responsible for making that determination? And then it comes back as complete in November as a result of being sent back, and then more information trickles out in January. At that point in time, we we don't know who knew what and who gave the order to do more investigating. I think those are the questions that are open at this point. But, Phil, wouldn't even in that initial FBI investigation, they've interviewed the two wives, they have access to the temporary order of protection that that one of them put out at the recommendation of a police officer, they have the police report of the incident, Uh, I would imagine there'd be a fair amount of solid information in that report, no? Yeah, but let me give you a couple perspectives on this, Anderson. This is an investigation into the private life of a private citizen who's going into government. The the security guys are not going to reveal everything to people in the White House about what individuals in this person's life, including ex-wives, has said. There's a privacy issue. Let me flip the question, though. We are now in February. The file initially closed in July and then was reclosed after a follow-up investigation in November. Even if you don't know the details of the file, are you telling me in an expedited investigation you don't step back as a chief of staff and say, why can't we close this after seven months? That's the question I would ask, not whether they know the details of what's in the file, but why can't you close the investigation in the first place? That's the question. Jim, do you have an answer to that? Because, I mean, this is a, a, a person who was, you know, essentially the right hand of Kelly and apparently was being thought of uh, for promotion. I think Kellyanne Conway said it succinctly this past weekend that you don't want folks with this type of record working in the White House having these having these clearances. And it's incumbent upon the White House to make these adjudications in a timely fashion. And once they had enough information that they made it to swiftly make that determination. The question is, when did that happen? Well, they had a lot of information before they made the determination. I mean, they're saying that it was the picture that finally did it. But now from from the FBI timeline here, we know that there was information. We know that they asked for more information. We don't know who did the asking, which I think we should know. So we knew that they had at their disposal um, inside the White House a lot of things that would have made anyone say Rob Porter should not be working here. Yeah, and, Jim, and they didn't do that. Jim, I mean, do you really believe well, that, I, I that, do you okay, really believe that, that the White House has been handling this in an honest way? I mean, again, Sarah Sanders, every time she's asked point blank about what Kelly knew and when, she dodges the question. She says, I, well, I'm not going to go into the, to levels of, of detail. Same thing for Don McGahn. And just yesterday, she's pointing the finger at the FBI and law enforcement communities and intelligence communities. And now she's bringing up this this White House office that doesn't have any investigative powers that I that I can find 
uh, of their own. No, but they do have a review and they do make recommendations, the Office of Personnel Security. And I don't think she's pointing a finger at that office, and I don't think she was uh, pointing a finger at the intelligence community. Well, she was. She was I saying that the was process was the wasn't res- closed from the FBI and the intelligence communities, and it was closed. She was saying well, it was still I, an I ongoing process. Well, I think it was, it's an ongoing process to the extent it wasn't adjudicated yet. But I, I think I think the answer to your question, though, is is that it, it's been there has been the moving of the goal line on this one, and the facts keep evolving. And what they needed to do early on was just put this one to bed and and explain themselves more clearly in, at the outset. Yeah, I mean, Gloria, to your point, you know, I mean, it, it is important to remember. CNN's reporting is that Chief of Staff Kelly and Don McGahn knew about at least some of these issues with Porter long before last week. So for the White House to blame this on the White House Personnel Security Office, again, it just doesn't I don't, I don't know that they're casting blame. I just I, don't think they're casting blame. I think they're talking about process. Well, they are. I mean, Sarah well, Sanders, I, it, well, no, but Sarah Sanders absolutely is casting blame. Yesterday, in fact, from the beginning, their whole explanation has been this is, you know, this, uh, this security uh, clearance review was not over. Uh, the investigation was still going on. Just yesterday, she, she specifically said uh, law enforcement and the intelligence community. And now, after Chris Ray comes out and says, um, actually, we completed ours, now she's saying, oh, it's this obscure office that doesn't have any investigative capabilities. She's not even claiming that they're still investigating. She just says their process wasn't complete, whatever that means. Well, and it's our reporting that Kelly knew in the the fall. Kelly knew. Kelly knew in the fall. Don McGahn certainly knew. And the question I have, and I don't think we know the answer to, is what conversations, if any, did McGahn have with Porter? Did Kelly have with Porter? Uh, was this raised with him at all? Uh, apparently, from some reporting out there, you know, he was trying to sort of downplay this at a certain point. But did those conversations evolve as more and more information piled up from uh, the FBI? We don't we don't right. know I the mean, answer Phil, to that. Phil, does it make any sense well, that someone in, a, in a, an important position like Porter, who's working very closely with the chief of staff, that no one uh, in this personnel office, when they got the initial report, would have at least red flagged and say, hey, you know what, there is, there's this issue here. Do you think they just took it upon themselves to send back for more information and then they're just holding on to it, waiting until they decide, make some decision to inform the Don McGahn or the chief of staff? I mean, it, that just seems to defy logic. You would think they'd, they'd at least, you know, raise some red flags about, hey, this is why he doesn't have a security clearance so far. Well, come on, seven months. I went from being a 24-year-old American citizen to a top-secret security clearance within nine months as someone who didn't know anybody. And the White House is going saying expedited process for somebody who's going to be a White House official, and you can't come up with an answer after you initially closed the investigation in July? What do you think happened there, Anderson? I think they got a hot mess delivered to them by the FBI, and they said, we don't know what to do with it. Of course, the investigation isn't closed or the adjudication process because they couldn't close it. They couldn't come to a conclusion to give him a security clearance because there's too much trash in his file. This isn't very complicated. It also seems like, Phil, uh, the gym, and this is what's happening with a number of people in the White House. I mean, Jared Kushner included, who still doesn't have a security clearance. Yeah, I would well, say let's not, some let's of these not issues- cast a wide net on that. Well, I, I, Jared I, I Kushner does not have a wide net. I that everyone has these issues. 
No, I agree with that. I think one of the other additional issues is whether people are filing the follow-up paperwork, for example, financial disclosures. It doesn't mean negative information. It may mean that Jared says, I'm not giving you all that stuff, and he still doesn't have a clearance. Mm. All right, Jim, Phil, Gloria, appreciate it. Coming up next, a deeper look both at the job and at times the combative style of White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders. Remember, to create an ad like this one, visit purewinning.com slash CNN. No question, it's been a tough few days for White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders answering a barrage of questions about who knew what, when, and the Rob Porter mess. At one point, in the words of Washington Post media columnist Margaret Sullivan, she, quote, huffed like an exasperated teacher reprimanding a classroom troublemaker. Here's a sample of how she dodged some of today's questions. I can't comment on specifics. I can't comment. Can't comment. I'm not aware of any communication, but I'm not aware of any communication. Not that I'm aware of. Uh, not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. I, just, I, I don't know the answer to that. I can't say with 100% certainty. I can't say definitively. That's something that would be well beyond uh, my scope. Again, that would go beyond my scope. That's my understanding. My understanding. My understanding. I wouldn't know the specifics. I haven't asked him about that specifically. Well. With a deeper look at Ms. Sanders, here's CNN uh, Chief Media Correspondent Brian Stelter. Her title is press secretary, but Sarah Sanders really serves as President Trump's top stonewaller. I don't know. We'll keep you posted. I'll have to get back to you. We'll certainly keep you posted. I'll let you know. I'll have to get back to you on that one. By now, she's been behind the podium longer than her predecessor, Sean Spicer, and with a long list of fibs to prove it. On the subject of a very serious probe of Russian interference. This is a witch hunt and a hoax. On the president's relationship with his former chief strategist, Steve Bannon. I'm not aware that they were ever particularly close. She is lying, critics say, lying to please an audience of one, the president himself. And she's shown a Trumpian tendency to attack the media. You cannot say that it's an honest mistake when you're purposely putting out information that you know to be false. Offensive comments like that have stirred tensions with the press corps. Some days you can see the frustration on their faces. And that doesn't answer the question. You think that's an accurate statement. I just want to be very clear about that. Yeah, it wasn't confusing to me. I'm sorry if it was for you. Sanders might not know what the president will say or tweet next. So deflection is an all-too-frequent solution. Last week, seen the photos of Rob Porter's ex-wife with a black eye? I don't know. Later, aides said Trump was disgusted by the photos. Sanders can be combative. She can be dismissive. She said it was a racial slur. What is your response to that? I, I think that's a ridiculous response. I think that the premise of your question is completely ridiculous and shows the lack of knowledge that you have on this process. Um, I've, I've tried several times. Fully self-aware about her combative style, she has a sense of humor, too. It's great to be back with you guys. <laughs> but by the end of most briefings, nobody's laughing. Uh, as always- Brian Salter joins me now, along with CNN political analyst Molly Ball, national political correspondent for uh, Time magazine. Um, it- is Sarah Sanders really speaking to an audience of one, which is President Trump here? I mean, she's obviously talking to the press corps and the nation, but it seems like it's often based on what the president wants. Indeed. The sense is the president does tune in on a regular basis. He wants to see how Sanders performed, just as he did, uh, wanted to watch Spicer this time last year. Uh, I think when we look at her dishonesty, the confusion, the deflection, it's all a reflection of the president's own attitudes, his own dishonesty and denialism. The new reporting tonight from our colleagues that the president is still in denial about Russian meddling, still unconvinced, apparently, that the Russians really interfered in the election. Uh, When you have a boss like that, 
That means Sarah Sanders is in a very hard job. Uh, at the same time, there's a lot of times it seems she doesn't even want to know the answers to the questions reporters are asking, so she avoids even finding out. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing. She often says, well, I haven't talked to the president about that, which just allows her to say, well, look, I, I just don't know. Uh, I mean, her job is to have information, and it seems like oftentimes she either has a one talking point or not enough information. Yeah, I mean, it, traditionally for press secretaries, she wouldn't be the first one who declines to find certain things out because she doesn't want to have to lie. Mm. Uh, and there have been plenty of press secretaries in the past who have used that dodge to say, I can't tell you something that I don't know. I think in some cases, too, the answers that people want from Sarah Sanders don't exist because the president hasn't made up his mind Mm -hmm. or he's said conflicting things or he is not in touch with the reality of the situation in some cases. So she is on a tightrope. She does seem to me to have really taken down the temperature from the Spicer days where, yes, it's tense in the briefing room, but there's not that sense of sort of performative aggression that Spicer brought to the job that I think the president appreciated for the way it goosed the ratings. Uh, But there's not the sense that every briefing is this much see performance uh, because it's this sparring match. I mean, you know, to your point, every press secretary does have to, I mean, probably lies at some point or, or you know, miscommunicates or, or comes up, makes up uh, some stuff or exaggerates. Um, do you think Sarah Sanders has taken it to a different level? Uh, Spicer and Sanders together have taken it to a different level. Uh, there are some differences between uh, Spicer and Sanders. Uh, in some ways, though, uh, her her attempts to you know bring on a surprise guest in order to avoid questions like she did today, those sorts of tricks, uh, all of them, uh, they, they mask what's really going on. And I think it's useful after she's been in the job six months to step back and say, this is still really unusual behavior from a White House. Uh, these are spokespeople paid with taxpayer money, and she spent the entire briefing today, just like yesterday, just avoiding every question we have it, about it, this. It is interesting, Molly. Oftentimes she will say, as she has done in this case, well, I'm not going to get into specifics on that. And there's no reason f- she couldn't get into specifics on that. She's just choosing not to answer those questions. Right. I mean, and I think... To your point, Brian, I mean, the reason that the behavior of Sanders and Spicer isn't normal for a press secretary is because this president isn't normal for a president and they reflect him. And there is very much a sense, you know, Sarah Sanders doesn't actually work for Donald Trump. She works for the American people. We pay her salary and it's her job to give information to us, the American people, not us, the press corps even, to the American people so that they can know what is happening in their government. Uh, But Trump, as we know, has the sense that everyone from the FBI to the entire White House staff exists to serve him and to make him feel good. And I think that the people who end up in those jobs are the people who are willing to go along with that. Molly, Brian, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Up next, a frustrated President Trump seeking advice on how to handle the fallout from the Porter scandal, according to sources close to conversations, who the president is calling and the two main questions he's asking when we continue. I'm Andy Katz from March Madness 365, and on this edition of our show, I'll be joined by Syracuse's Tyus Battle. I've been just trying to improve all facets of my game, just being able to be more offensive, throwing the ball different ways, shooting the ball, I think that's improved, and uh, just my playmaking ability as well. Subscribe to March Madness 365 now at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. The fallout from the Porter scandal has stretched amazingly into a new week at the White House, and CNN's Caitlin Collins has learned that President Trump is looking for advice on how to stop the negative coverage. The president spent the weekend, even Monday night, calling his allies and associates, according to sources, close to the conversations. He had two key questions. When does it end and what do we do? 
The answers may seem obvious, yet the president is looking for help. Joining me now is Michael D'Antonio, author of The Truth About Trump. The biography is based on several hours of exclusive interviews he had within Citizen Trump. Is this something that Donald Trump has always done as a private citizen, reach out to friends, work the phones to kind of take a temperature of things? It is. You know, when he was a businessman, he actually would ask almost anyone he ran into for advice. He'd ask the guys running the elevators in Trump Tower, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Mm. Even on political issues. So that's common. The difference, I think, between Donald Trump and many other executives is that he's often venting and he's looking for confirmation of his instinct. Mm. So he's not actually soliciting deep wisdom from the people he He's not tests. looking for uh, advice he doesn't want to hear. Is that what you're saying? Precisely. Uh-huh. And so occasionally he'll hear it. I think he actually hired John Kelly with the hope that maybe this was a strong person who would go after him a little bit with the truth. But in general, the president is not a person who wants sharp criticism or advice that is contrary to his instinct. It's so interesting how he's handled this whole issue of domestic violence. You know, they ushered the, uh, the, the press in to the Oval Office for prepared remarks. And what his prepared remarks were, were praising Rob Porter, saying how sad he is and how sad they are that he's left and hope he has a great career. Nothing about the, the alleged victims, nothing about domestic violence in general. And now the White House has Sarah Sanders out there saying, well, look, the president, you know, is relaying the message that he cares greatly about domestic violence, of course, about due process as well. Those words have not come out from the president's mouth. He had two opportunities today to do it and and chose to remain numb. No, it's a stunning thing. But he filters all, including what goes on on the news, through himself. So when he hears that someone's been accused of a crime of domestic violence or abusing someone, he recalls his own 16 accusers. And they're people he detests. That's an experience that made him very upset. He has empathy for himself. He has empathy for this other male who's been accused. I don't think he goes to any concern about the women who are making the accusations and have clearly suffered. Do you think it's a political calculation that that's not something his base necessarily needs to hear from him and that the the notion of him seeming to be strong as he defines strong which others may define as weakness uh, by not addressing things or not apologizing that that plays well for his base and that's all that matters i think there is something to that so cnn has reported that among the people in his base even many women still are standing by him and i think he calculated long ago that there's a certain pose that he can take, this tough guy, and that everything is about winning. Uh, And the problem is, when you're president, not all problems are about winning. There are problems that require empathy, require opening up to a variety of perspectives. But if you look at the White House, he's hired so many people who are so much like him. Mm. This is not going to yield the result that he needs. Michael D'Antonio, thanks very much. Appreciate it as always. Coming up next, the top intel chiefs reveal that Russia is already meddling in the midterm elections and it's only going to get worse. Details ahead. Hey, it's Howard Beck, and I've got former NBA champion and current Yes analyst, Richard Jefferson on Bleacher Reports, the full 48. For me, winning the championship just validated, you know, me from a standpoint of like, 
All I ever wanted to do was win. All I ever wanted to do was win on a high, high level. And so to get that, then it just made everything feel like it was worth it. The Full 48 is now available on Spotify. And of course, you can always listen and subscribe on the Bleacher Report app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. As we've been reporting, FBI Chief Christopher Wray is offering a differing timeline from the White House about when his agency first briefed administration officials about the background check on Rob Porter. Wray appeared before the Senate Intelligence Committee, along with all of the nation's intelligence chiefs, to tell Congress they view Russia as a threat to the 2018 midterm elections. The Director of National Intelligence, Dan Coats, saying, quote, there should be no doubt, unquote, that Russia sees the elections as a target. CNN's Jessica Schneider joins us now with more. So the intelligence chiefs were asked if the president has directed them to take actions to stop interference from the Russians. What did they say? Anderson, they all either flat out said no, the president has not directed them to take any action against the Russians, or they danced around the issue by saying that the president has only indicated that they should fight all foreign threats. But it was quite clear that despite this uniform response from all six intelligence chiefs that Russia has meddled and continues to meddle, the president has not been directing a fight to combat this huge issue. And in fact, Anderson, tonight CNN has learned from multiple sources that the president is still unconvinced that Russia interfered in the 2016 election. And those sources say that he views any notion that Russia meddled as his opponent's way of undermining his victory. And lawmakers in today's hearing, they were so frustrated by this that the president hasn't acknowledged this, that they actually pressed the intelligence chiefs to persuade the president that Russian interference is still a real and present threat, you know, saying that really the time is now to do something about this with the 2018 midterm primaries really right around the corner, Anderson. You know, I mean, they also talked about how Russia considers the efforts they conducted in 2016 incredibly successful. Yeah, it was Director of uh, National Intelligence Dan Coats. He said exactly that. He said that there was, quote, no doubt that Russia perceives its past efforts as successful. And really, all of them agreed that the sights are now set to the midterms this year and then on to the next presidential election in 2020. And we know... We know that this Russian interference campaign, it really does, it extends far beyond the elections themselves. We've seen this repeatedly. Russian bots, they've been targeting social media. They've made up fake accounts, fake events. We saw this in the election. And it's interesting because even just recently, we know that Russian-linked Twitter accounts, they were found to have been pushing that release the memo hashtag all across social media. Of course, that was part of that effort to get out the Republican memo that was eventually released that accused the FBI of abusing surveillance court warrant processes. So, of course, we know that in the end, that release the memo hashtag, it was successful in some ways. President Trump approved the memo for release just about a week and a half ago. But these Russian efforts, they really pervade all outlets and yeah, all platforms. Incredible. It's elections and social media, too, Anderson. Yeah. Jessica Schneider, appreciate the reporting. The Senate is debating immigration this week, a contentious issue, obviously coming to a crossroads with big questions about DACA as well as the wall, what, what the pres- that the president wants. Leila Santiago went to Mexico's southern border with Guatemala to see if people are still determined to make the trek to the U.S., and here's what she found. Mexico's southern border with Guatemala. You will not find a wall here. For many, this is the gateway to the U.S.-Mexico border thousands of miles away. Some use this river to transport goods. Others use it to migrate north. Just 20 minutes here, we find Ronnie Cardona's family crossing. Cruzando. Cruzando. So he made it to the U.S. and then was deported back to Honduras, and now he's trying again. 
Ronnie is headed north to escape violence and poverty in Honduras. They once feared President Trump's tough talk on immigration. Not anymore. He says he's going to get there with or without a wall. Every day, people cross the Suchiate River. This is not part of the challenge for those fleeing violence in Central America. It only costs about $1.50 to go from Guatemala into Mexico. But once you get to that side, the risks can be deadly, forcing many to hire a smuggler. This is a coyote, a human smuggler. He would only speak to us if we concealed his identity. He says he's brought in three to four thousand people a los Estados Unidos to the United States. He charges about six thousand dollars per person and works with a network of smugglers. He's saying it's easy to get from Guatemala to Mexico, but what about Mexico to the U.S. Y de México a los Estados Unidos esa frontera es tan fácil? He says that one's a little more difficult. He noticed the flow of immigrants slowed down when President Trump took office. But numbers on the U.S.-Mexico border have shown an uptick since May. Mexico's southern border has seen a similar trend. Business for smugglers has picked up again. Immigration, he says, is unstoppable. doesn't matter what President Trump says. Some people are just determined to get to the United States. So when you get to the U.S.-Mexico border, will you be using a smuggler there? Yes, that's correct. We found Darby, we aren't using his last name for his safety, outside one of Mexico's immigration offices, where so many are waiting for permission to be in Mexico as they travel north. It's just a whole awful feeling of loneliness. Darby tells us he was deported from the U.S. in May. He's worried about the dangerous trek back where he has no defense against cartels that extort vulnerable immigrants. Many are robbed, kidnapped, killed, and still... He says it's worth the risk. Staying in Honduras could mean gangs will carry out threats to kill him and his family. So the other other choice that I have at this time is to go back to the U.S. and try to make an entry, an illegal entry again. So you know this is illegal? I know it is illegal. Why not do it the legal way? It's very, very difficult. He doesn't have enough time or money to get back to the U.S. legally, he says. He's desperate. I still have a dream. No matter what the U.S. president may say or build. He said Trump can't build a wall in the ocean. They all agree they will find a way north. Leila Santiago, CNN, Chiapas, Mexico. Well, stay with us next. The latest from the White House as the differing timelines collide over who exactly knew what over the Rob Porter resignation. Are you ready to learn how to build a better consulting or professional services company? Then download the Liston.io show for the best sales and marketing advice so you can deliver your services to the people who need you the most. On the show, I'll be interviewing the smartest people in the industry to share what they know about building a better consulting business. I'll also give you episodes where I tell you specifically how to sell your services with confidence and how to transform into an influential leader in your industry. Your happy clients probably want to help you. It's too hard for them right now. You're asking them to do too much of the selling that you should be doing. Yeah, it's going to move. It's going to change. It's going to disrupt you at some point in time. Your most loyal 
clients are your most profitable. Ready to learn how other people are building the consulting company you've always wanted? Download the Liston.io show spelled L-I-S-T-O-N dot I-O wherever you get your podcasts. Before you go, we wanted to let you know that we just launched the ability for anyone to advertise on CNN Podcasts. You're just a few clicks away from reaching millions of people in a way that you never have before. Advertise for a business event or kick off an awareness campaign for your brand. Start today at purewinning.com slash CNN. Integrating podcasts into your marketing mix has never been easier. Go to purewinning.com slash CNN to get started.